Welcome to the second episode of Zoomed in Startup Ideation. Before we jump into today's conversation, let's do a quick recap. In the last episode, we spoke about design thinking and how to initiate the ideation process. We discussed the four Ds of design thinking and the problem tree model. Last week, I promised two things. First one was to elaborate on the problem tree model. And the second one was to get a guest on board. The good news is, in today's episode, we have Robert Dashwood. Some of you might know him as Dash who will be discussing how he worked around the problem tree model for his idea. So Robert and I met in the Spark Deacon Ideation program. He is a digital health information and process expert. According to him, entrepreneurship is creating something new and thinking outside the box. Let's just get to know more from the man himself. Welcome to the podcast, Dash. How's it going? That's really good. Thanks for having me on. I'm kind of excited. This is the first time I've ever done a podcast. Yeah, this is my first attempt too. I had done one podcast last week. But yeah, this is pretty new and exciting. And I'm so glad you decided to join me today. It really helps to chat with someone who's actually going through the same process and just getting a different perspective on things. Yeah, great. All right. So first thing that I want to know is how has your experience been so far? with the program um it's it's really good because this is the last subject for me in a a master's of business administration i feel like it's an opportunity for me to bring the full sort of history of everything i've learned over the last few years into one subject um and and the chance to do it on whatever i want to do i think is what's so exciting but on the on the other hand like i really love working with um people from other industries a lot of the time in my work it's just in healthcare it becomes very insular and so the the opportunity to work with people from a marketing engineering or commerce background or, or whatever else we have in the cohort i think makes this kind of fun and it's it's great to hear the kinds of ideas other people are coming up with that that's great i mean uh, you'll probably get like a holistic approach on everything like you get to apply whatever you've done so far and it's it's, it's exciting yeah so, how's it yeah. been for you it's pretty much the same so i still have another trimester to go but yep. uh, it's 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 pretty good so whatever i've learned so far and whatever i will be doing eventually probably like just trying to get a basic idea of that and entrepreneurship is something that i really wanted to do for a really long time but i didn't know how to get started on it and this is giving me a new approach so that's that's pretty cool right yes so i just want to know what is your understanding of the problem tree model before we actually jump into the process yeah okay so i th- i think that it's a really uh, effective way of breaking down a problem Um, where you're sort of encouraged to focus and analyse the effect or impact before jumping to the causes. Um, And it forces you to think really broadly before you start getting specific as to the root cause. And I think uh, for a lot of people, sort of regular human nature is to jump straight to the cause. Oh, this has happened because of something. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really good to look more broadly at the effects because you might see that there's actually a more important cause that influences both your effect and another effect as well mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and um, I feel like a lot of people they the first thing they think is okay if you want to start up you need an innovative idea 
but they'll directly jump in with an idea without actually going through this process so yeah so i certainly found that when when thinking about my own idea like i i realized that there's there's something bigger at play than just what i wanted to do about it and so i've had to adapt a little bit because of this process yes. i do remember when you uh, came in initially you already had sort of an idea but then uh, so i'm guessing this approach really helped uh, you know develop your idea further because you're actually going deeper into the causes that's right yep yeah all right so let's just get started with the first step the first step was to identify the broad problem that you want to address so in your case what was the problem that you were trying to solve So I'm looking at regression testing in clinical software which um mm-hmm. is a pretty specific um problem or area um but the mm-hmm. the reason I want to do that is because it's tedious and costly and undervalued by in many software projects um so oh. I could explain what regression testing is if you like just to help the listeners Yeah I think uh, that'll give a little background on what exactly happens around it so Please yeah. go ahead. So regression testing is the process of validating that software that used to work still does. Um and with clinical software changes can happen anywhere in the ecosystem. So your pathology system might change some hardware and your radiology system might change the way they um they detect certain um images. or analyze them or you might make a configuration change in your clinical application so that um a new form is presented to the end users and every one of those changes can have unintended consequences on all the interconnected systems so regression testing is the process of checking that your software hasn't regressed after mm-hmm. the change so it works the same before same after okay okay all right and uh, your intention is to integrate it in the healthcare uh, field is it yeah i think uh, my intention is evolving um mm-hmm. so i'm hoping to probably provide a service that helps people or helps organizations uh, improve the quality and reduce the time it takes for them to execute regression testing okay all right perfect that sounds good so uh, let's move on to the second step which was to tackle the top portion of the tree and identify the branches so yep. what are the five consequences of your problem so the the five consequences is it you end up spending a lot of money on it um because well no not because we're not doing that yet right <laughs> we're just no. talking about the consequences so it is it is costly we end up spending a lot on it uh, it's mm-hmm. time consuming Uh, so you can only you can only do what time allows um, okay it's inconsistent so one person might do it differently to another person mm-hmm. um we have end up with single points of failure where we can't execute certain tests because one person's on leave or uh they're sick that day um and um i think this one's a little weird my my fifth one is that Okay. we identified defects and that's it's a strange thing to talk about but that's actually mm-hmm. a good thing so finding problems or finding defects in your software is actually a good thing okay okay that's so actually like a, that's an outcome of the of the problem yeah okay so i mean i think you've covered like on a broad basis you've covered all the area 
and it's not like specific to one particular um consequence so that is that is pretty good and um okay so let's move on to the next step which is the step 4 and for this what we do is we find the further consequences of the consequences that we have identified already so yep. what what was that for your uh, issue okay um so you tell me if i get too detailed or right or if i if i use some acronyms or or terms that don't make any sense yeah, uh, sure i'm actually not too sure about the field as such so i might be a little confused but uh, let's just go ahead and see how it goes okay so oh, okay. because it's costly um another a follow on impact of that or or mm-hmm. is that we then don't have finance available for other priorities so mm-hmm. that might be enhancements or or new technology um we we go through a process of what's called risk based prioritization so that means that we will look at we'll only test things that have a significant impact if they break and that means we might ignore a a lower impact uh mm-hmm. test because um just because of the cost of doing testing um we end up establishing shortcuts um so that we can get testing done in a cheaper and less time um okay. management tend not to allocate enough time um managers devalue the process because it is costly and takes time so it's like I don't want to do that it's a psychology thing mm-hmm. our testers mm-hmm. end up being rushed sorry if i'm going too fast but i've got a lot <laughs> that's all right pardon me yeah. um so the the uncertain timing of how long it takes to execute testing makes it really hard to plan any dependencies um um the actual execution takes the most actually takes the least time but it's the resolution that takes a lot of time so um i just need to explain that a little bit if if oh. i take a week to complete a test or execute a test but it takes mm-hmm. 2 weeks to fix that the problem that i find then you know my whole thing is up by 3 weeks but if i could reduce execution time then i've improved the overall time so that's the that's the um major effect there okay yeah, yeah. all right okay um, mm-hmm. so yeah, go ahead and talk about so i think you've covered uh, the money aspect and the time aspect as of now that's right all right let's move on to the next one so inconsistent execution mm-hmm. um the the effect of that is that we it, it's different every time so it might take one week um you know in august when we do regression testing it might take one week but in september it might take 3 days uh and that's because the testers do it differently each time um mm-hmm. which makes any defects difficult to reproduce so that's that's the problem with inconsistent execution and there's a um, certain uncertainty also associated with it which makes it difficult to plan it out you've nailed it yes that's exactly yeah. what the the problem is so mm-hmm. if it takes 3 days this time and how do i know um that if i'm going to line up an expensive person to do the next stage of testing do they start mm-hmm. on thursday or do they start on monday you know that's right. that's a challenge okay um, yep. and our documentation as a result is not really very good so i can't hand off a test from you know um susie to jade right mm-hmm. in um yeah. 
uh, in a week. So the next um, is is those single points of failure. Um, some tests can't be executed without a particular person just because of the knowledge that they have about how a particular function works. Okay. Um, and um, that um, also with the single points of failure, it slows down the time it um, takes for us to get a fix for any problems that we find because only one person can fix it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then there's also not a person specific single point of failure, but rather like a hardware and technological restriction. So you can only test in a non-production environment. So one that looks like your production, but isn't, you know, is, is just a test environment. And sometimes it's got less power, it's got less technology, it's got less um, function. So you can't test as if it was in production. And that's another point of failure. And that's the effect of it. Mm -hmm. Okay, yep. And, uh, yep, moving on to the last point. Yeah, the last point is defect identification. Mm -hmm. uh, is that from a management perspective, defects are perceived as negative. So that, like, the people psychologically go, well, hang on, I don't want to find a defect because then I get in trouble, mm -hmm. um, which is not a good... Um, sorry, I'm kind of moving into causes a little bit, but... Um, so what ends up happening is people identify a workaround for a defect. So they might say, well, you just click okay. You don't, you know, and then you keep going. But the problem is the fact that the defect or the error appeared in the first place and we want to stop that from happening. That um, makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then lastly, um, those workarounds themselves become a standard workflow when they haven't been resolved. Um, and that, that's a huge thing because when our clinicians end up using this software, they have to deal with that extra click, that extra few seconds in their day to deal with that problem. Right. So, yeah. All right, perfect. So I think that pretty much covers the top half of the tree and like you've very nicely identified everything, which I'm pretty sure should be quite clear to the listeners now on the process. Oh, good. Now, let's just move to the bottom half. I remember Isaac had mentioned that your intention should be to solve one root cause rather than tackling the entire problem on your own. So yep. um, the next step was to identify the root causes behind the problem. So what were the five root causes that you identified? Um, so my my first one is highly educated testers we end up using nurses doctors pharmacists and um, you know really experienced technicians to do our testing and yeah so i won't dive further into that but they're highly educated uh, people all um, right the, the time requirements which i kind of mentioned as an effect how long it takes is actually under allocated when when we take on a project. So if you're going to do a project for designing software, implementing it, testing it and going live and then doing evaluation, the amount of time allowed for testing isn't usually large enough. Okay. Um, because of, I mean, that one, there's just so many causes for that. I mean, it's, it's hard not to go into it. Um, right. The code quality of some of the software we're using is really low. So anytime a new... Uh, a fix comes out, mm -hmm. if it hasn't been validated by the vendor well enough, 
then we end up finding the problems. And if we don't test it well enough, then our users end up finding the problems. But all of that could be solved if the code quality was higher in the first place. All right, all right. Okay. Um, and then my fourth one, the process of automation is not either trusted or valued. Mm -hmm. And uh, consistency is our documentation does not enable, you know, you, for example, should be able to come in, read our documentation, and then know how to test the software, at least if you had some background. But because we don't do that, we, we have really poor consistency across our testing process. Okay, yeah. All right, yeah, all these make sense. And I'm pretty sure you have further cause, uh, causes behind these causes. And right. um, just you can just go ahead with it and just see how it yeah. Do you want me rather than sort of going through all of them because there's there's just so much. Like the more you look, the worse <laughs> the worse it gets. I could just focus on one and kind of iterate on that. Um, yeah, I think that should be more. good. You can just identify one, and um, yep. that way I think the listeners will understand the process. So yeah, you can go ahead yep. and do. It. Okay. So the, the two major things that I'm focused on are the fact uh, the automation aspect that it's not trusted and mm -hmm. the time requirements are under allocated in the first place. Uh, so I'll, I'll focus on time. Um, okay. Our resolu resolution cycles are too long and we don't anticipate that. So if we say it's going to take us one week to test, what we forget about planning for is the two weeks it takes to fix any problems we find. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just not well understood for each test script how long is needed to execute that or how many people are required. It's just sort of a number of scripts. So we say to regression tests, this week we need to execute 80 scripts. But one of those might take four hours and mm -hmm. a, a second one might take 15 minutes. So there's not a time equivalency to each script. Okay. And we don't understand that. Like there's, there's so much more for me to go deep on there. But mm -hmm. even like we don't even, we can't even go deeper because we don't have enough knowledge about our own testing process. Um, we have poor collaboration across teams. So you might have a clinical team and a technical team. They'll both do their own testing, but they won't talk to each other about what's being done when. Okay, so that might um, cause double work sort of thing. Exactly. Double work, mm -hmm. poorly timed work where they don't execute things at the same time that are interdependent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then there's also insular thinking so yeah just assuming that the technical team is going to cover off that thing mm -hmm. so I don't need to and then they think the other you know the opposite so because no one's collaborating or talking it means that you know you end up missing something or like you said duplicating right um, so all of these you can sort of pile on and pile on you go deeper and deeper into the roots of this tree and um, it, you can see that there's there's a big problem in there, and that's I feel that's where I focused a lot of my energy on on um, my potential solution or my idea. Right, I remember even in uh, the first three lectures, that's all we did. Like problem tree was the only thing that we focused on, yep. just to sort of get a better understanding of what we're trying to do. So yeah, that pretty much sums up. Uh, the entire process so uh, just according to you what is the next step now 
so um, I, I thought about that quite a lot and I'm a person who, who just jumped straight to action and right. going through the lean startup process, you know, challenged me mm-hmm. a little bit on that to go, hang on, no, don't, don't start making your solution yet. Um, so next step for me was to go through user interviews and actually challenge that even though I thought that this was the most important root cause, I needed mm-hmm. to validate that with other experts. Okay. Um, so that, that was a really valuable exercise. Uh, yeah. And then I've also started, but I haven't finished, uh, literature research to find out what the rest of, you know, the industry thinks about this. You know, is this a real problem or is this just, you know, me in my little blue room in Melbourne um, working mm-hmm. from home and thinking that this is a big problem? And then beyond that, I need to start, I I think anyway, we haven't quite covered it in class, but I need to start costing out what my solution will will be. You know, how how much is it going to cost to implement that and balance that against the cost of continuing as normal? So that's what's next for me. That's that sounds really exciting. And uh, you seem to have really gone deep into this process, which is, it's very interesting to know that, you know, people are actually putting in so much effort towards the ideas they believe in. And uh, I think that's pretty much uh, sums it up the whole concept of, you know, entrepreneurship that people want to make a change and working towards it. So that's right. Yep, I, that's... I think it's great. This, this unit gives us the opportunity to work on something we kind of wanted to work on anyway. Um, mm-hmm. We just get credit for it, you know, and that's, that's what's great about mm-hmm. it. And personally, for me, I get the approach as well, because I didn't really know where to get started. Every every year, I'll come up with one or two ideas and I'll be like, okay, I can work on this. But now I know where I went wrong. I never considered yep. the problem tree model. So, yeah. And do you have any final tips for the listeners? I think with the problem tree model, just make sure to only look at one part of the tree at a time. If you jump around and and sort of mix yourself between consequences and causes or different branches of the the consequence tree, then you you could end up your focus isn't in the right place and you'll miss the bigger picture. So I think you know stay focused. Yep, there's a fine line between the consequences and causes at times. And just to identify that, you sort of need to do the process over and over again. And uh, thank you so much, uh, Robert, for joining us today. It was really helpful uh, because discussing it in theory is one thing, but practically applying the concept is really helpful to understand. So uh, It's so great. I hope the listeners get, get something from it as well. That was Robert Dashwood sharing his super informative insights. Don't forget to check out his blog. The link is in the description. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did and gain more clarity on the problem tree model. This is your host Avni signing off. Stay tuned, keep thinking and keep creating.